Blog Talk Radio. And right now, it's big fight time. Live in Las Vegas, Trevor Burbick and Mike Tyson are about to battle it out for the WBC Heavyweight Championship. Championship Boxing, and today we are talking about another episode of The Greatest Performances, and we are talking about Larry Holmes, the Eastern Assassin. I'm joined once again by Mr. One Silva. What's going on, buddy? Good afternoon, Logan. Good afternoon, Good afternoon, fight fans. On this beautiful Saturday afternoon, as we look at the three greatest performances in the history of one of the greatest fighters of all time, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, Larry Holmes. Yes, indeed. So tell us now, uh, this. tell us a little bit about the beginning. Tell us a little bit about the thing that, uh, that, that this is his career, his early career, and, uh, you know, sure. his background. Sure. Um, Larry Holmes made his uh, debut, professional debut in March of 1974 at the tender age of 24. Uh, the beginning of his career, he he got paid more, Logan, for being Muhammad Ali's chief sparring partner than for fighting. I mean, he would get anywhere from 500 to maybe $2,000 per fight fighting preliminaries on Ali undercards throughout the beginning of his career. He was a protege of Muhammad Ali. He idolized Muhammad Ali, and you could tell from his style, he had a lot of Muhammad Ali in him. Oh, yeah. Uh and and his so he he actually trained was trained by Muhammad Ali. No, he was he was a protege of Ali as he was Ali's chief sparring partner for several years. Indeed. Okay. Now he was uh, uh, undefeated for quite a while. Um, but talk about some of the quality of his opposition prior to the fight, the first fight that we talk about here. Oh, he at at this point he was an unproven prospect. Has he fought a bunch of stiffs? He hadn't fought. Anybody of noteworthy until he fights Ernie Chavis in the first fight we talk about, March of 1979. So give us a little background then on uh, Ernie Chavis and uh, what we're, you know, just a little bit about him. I'm sorry, this fight took place in March of 78. Ernie Chavis' fight before this was in September of 1977 at New York's Madison Square Garden where he gave Muhammad Ali hell as Ali was heavyweight champion of the world at that time. Ali defended the title against Chavis, and Chavis gave Ali her, hell, hurting um, Ali several times throughout the fight, but Ali had the greatest chin in, in boxing history, and when he was certain he was able to fool Chavis, Chavis was unsure. Later in the fight, Ali swept the late rounds, and in the 15th round, almost knocked out Chavis at the bell rang. Chavis losing a unanimous decision, but getting a lot of respect because he gave Ali hell. 
Yeah, well, I mean, where uh, where was Ali at this point in his career? Was he still at the peak, or was he uh, declining? No. In this fight, the uh, month before this fight, Ali had lost the title to Leon Spinks. Oh, okay. Right. The fight after after Biddy Gertie Shea was Ali would lose his title. His next fight, February of '78, to Leon Spinks. Well, I mean, but in terms of his, was he at, was he declining at that point? He was 36 years old. Yeah, that's what I, I would think so. So, so definitely showing some signs that uh, he was he was falling off a little he, bit. And he would beat Spinks in a rematch, but that'd be the last one of his career. Right. And so his. Um, his fight with with Shavers probably would have gone a lot different if he was younger and better. Without a doubt. What you saw in this fight with Holmes and Shavers would have been more like what you would have seen with a younger Ali and Shavers. Ali would have knocked out Shavers. Indeed. So Shavers, uh, in, 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 as a kind of um, ranking among all the greats, I mean, where would you put him? The hardest right hand in the history of boxing. Okay. So he has that quality. Greatest. And a great oh, chin. Yeah, he had a great chin. Oh, he took a hell of a beating in many fights. But when it comes to power, that right hand was unlike anybody else's. He has, in my opinion, and several other experts as well, the greatest, the most powerful right hand in the history of boxing. Indeed. Okay, so he's uh, he's fighting here. Uh, he's, un- uh, at this point, uh the Holmes is undefeated. Uh, he's untested. He comes in probably not favored against Mr. Shavers. And, uh, and my father, we, I was watching this fight with my father. My father told me this guy was going to handle Shavers easily because my father had seen Holmes fight before. I had never seen Holmes before. I just had read about him in the magazines. Now, an interesting twist to this. This fight was for a shot at Ken Norton right after Spinks defeated Muhammad Ali, the WBC ordered Spinks to defend the WBC title against uh, Ken Norton, who was the number one contender. Leon Spinks refused. Leon Spinks gave up the title and kept the WBA version as he would have a more lucrative offer to face Ali in what he felt would have been an easier fight, a rematch with Ali instead of defending his title against Ken Norton. Ken Norton, uh, did they ever fight? So, So subsequently... Did they ever end up fighting? Before, 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 I, before I continue oh. with that, let me tell you what happened. After Spinks was stripped of the WBC title, the WBC awarded the title Larry Holmes. So Larry Holmes wins the, is the first heavyweight champion in the history of the sport to get the, to a world championship without winning it in the ring. That's crazy. I've never even heard of something like that. That's the, I, um... And so this fight, Logan, is the winner gets a shot at Larry Holmes. I mean, at Ken Norton. So, I'm sorry, so you're saying they awarded the, 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 the title to Norton. Yeah. And and so now the the, the, the winner of this fight gets a shot at, uh, at Norton. And, and, and what my father and I would say, the winner of this fight gets to fight for the WBC title because, like, like, I agree with my father and many other experts, you just don't give a guy a title. He's got to earn it in the ring. And two or three other times, the three other times Ken Norton had fought for the world title, he had lost. Once to George Foreman and twice to Ali. So you just can't give the guy the title because the guy's ducking him. Right, right, right. Okay, well, uh, we got that. Uh, so now, when uh, so this fight, did uh, did Shavers win a round here? I mean, no. This was a total one-sided master boxing performance by Larry Holmes. 
One thing I want to talk about Larry Holmes' style, which is very – it's similar to Ali, but there's a difference. Ali, throughout the majority of his career, would always backpedal, as Holmes did in this fight. But Holmes would sit down on his punches more than Ali would. And one thing I loved about Larry Holmes, and my father showed me this in this fight, and throughout Larry Holmes' career, as we'll look at his other great performances, there was no such thing as wasted movement. You know, a lot of boxers would just dance and dance and dance and throw no punches. Larry Holmes was always backpedaling, but he never wasted that movement. He was always utilizing the greatest left jab in the history of boxing. Oh, what a, what a jab, man. Just relentless with that fucking thing, measuring you, fucking hitting you. Great. I mean, it was just constant. Left jab in the history of boxing, Larry Holmes owned. I've seen him knock, knock guys down with the jab. He had a hammer for a left jab. If you want to learn how to throw a jab, young guys, young men and women looking to box, watch these fights. Watch how he throws that jab so fluidly, so effortlessly. Oh, my God. And it's just relentless. Never stops. You know, it just... He never... Even when he was old, when he came back out of retirement, when he beat Ray Merson, almost beat Oliver Call, he was in those fights down the stretch because he never stopped, even at... 45, 46, 49 years old. Wouldn't stop throwing the jab. Yeah, man. And and fighting really tall and and having a real good sense of how, you know, far he had to stay away. Not only that, when guys got inside, he would tie them up. You could could see a lot of the Ali influence in him as he would tie guys up like Ali, and he would bend the guys down like Ali with his elbow and his gloves. Yeah, and and a great body puncher too, right? Larry Holmes was one of the great, one of the, most intelligent fighters in the history of sport. He learned that, a lot of that, from Muhammad Ali. What you were saying, Logan? I was saying that he, he also did some great body work, too, I mean, when, when you weren't looking, you know. It's just he, he would when, go downstairs and then go upstairs. When he'd have the guy hurt up against the ropes, he would never forget to go to the body. Yeah, and that was a great way to just get them distracted so he could nail them in the head, you know. But, uh, but yeah, so this fight, I mean, it was... You had uh, Ernie Shavers getting a, every now and then a right here and there, but nothing ever really landed, I thought. Every once in a while, he'd land a right, but Holmes would roll with the right. Holmes saw it coming. So Holmes would, 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 would either roll with the right or make a miss. This was like Cotto uh, versus, or not, not, well, to some extent, Cotto uh, uh, versus Mayweather. Uh, I felt like he was, I mean, it, it looked like watching a Mayweather fight, just, in general, just the way he rolled with those punches and, and avoided a lot. He's beautifully. This is Larry Holmes at 28, so he's in the prime of his career. And the first four rounds is him just masterfully boxing. Beginning with the fifth round, he started walking Shavers down. Yeah. Another difference between Ali and Holmes is Holmes would become aggressive. Ali rarely did. Ali usually stayed on, on the back foot. Holmes, once he figured he, the guy, that guy out, he started coming after him. And in the fifth round, he buckled Shavers for the first time with a devastating right cross. And between rounds five and eight, he would stagger Shavers each round with that right. That right could not miss. What oh, my God. Now, was, Shavers, he started using the jab a little better in the later part of the fight. And he actually got some new energy uh, and, and maybe started fighting a little better, right, toward the end? Who are you talking about, Shavers? Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, Shavers always had that one-shot punch, but... He, he never had a shot in this fight. He, but, I mean, he, he started using the jab a little. 
Yeah, but he, he had no defense. Yeah. He was using jab because he was tired of throwing those wild shots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were pretty wild, but uh, it just surprised me that uh, Shavers had, had, had done so well against Ali with with the style that he had. But uh, he fought a 25 year old Ali as opposed to a 28 year old Larry Holmes. So, yeah, similar styles, yeah. but two guys at, at different points of their career. Shavers takes a beating rounds five through eight. He constantly gets staggered, and in the 12th round. Holmes tries to knock Shavers off as he buckles him with 30 seconds left, and he pounds Shavers, and it was eerily similar to how Ali almost knocked out Shavers late in the 15th round. Shavers, like, against, like Ali, held on as the bell rang, and he, and he staggered back to his corner, just like he did against Ali. Larry Holmes was a unanimous decision. One judge gave Shavers a round. I don't know where he saw that round from, but I guess – he found a round. I couldn't find a round. There, there was also a round. There was all like a timekeeper error where a round went for ten minutes, uh, ten seconds longer than it should have, and he Shavers was getting up beating in that round, so that, that hurt him. He took a well. It, it, it wouldn't have mattered. It would have mattered. I mean, hey, what, ten more seconds of be, getting beaten up by Holmes is. A, I wouldn't like ten seconds of of a beating by Holmes. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. He there's no way he was going to win this fight. He loses the decision. Holmes wins, which sets up one of the greatest heavyweight fights of all time, a fight that if you want to hear our, uh, our analysis of it, June 9, 1978, Larry Holmes beat Ken Norton in an epic 15-round split decision, a fight we covered on the greatest fights of all time. Yeah, what a fight. Great fight, 15th round, the greatest round in heavyweight boxing history as they batted each other throughout that entire 15th round. Larry Holmes yeah. wins the decision. And he was going to give Ken Norton a rematch. Inexplicably, Ken Norton's next fight is against Ernie Shavers. And Ernie Shavers knocks out Ken Norton in the first round. So, <laughs> Ernie Shavers, I mean, Ken Norton never got that rematch against Larry Holmes, while Ernie Shavers got a rematch with Larry Holmes instead. And in that second fight, more of the same, except in the second fight, Shavers lands with a great right hand to the history of boxing. Dropping Holmes down like a dead man. Holmes gets up, buckles into the corner. I don't know how Holmes survived. I sat there with my father like, oh, shit. <laughs> he got caught. Harry Holmes in the, in the rematch with Ernie Shavers. Both Ernie Shavers' eyes were closing, and he landed that miracle shot, but he had nothing left. He couldn't follow up. Larry Holmes gets the cobwebs out of his hands, out of his head and stopped Shavers in the 11th round after another brutal beating. So they fought two times in 23 rounds. Shavers won round, one, one round, and that one round, he almost became heavyweight champion of the world. That's a fucking hilarious. And, and I love the way Shavers – actually, I don't love it. I hate it when fighters do this. Just whenever they seem like they're in trouble, they start smiling. It's like that – to me, that's a clear sign that you're fucked. He did that his entire career, which was a sure sign that he was hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they try to do it to show you that they're not hurt, but it's like actually you can tell that they're compensating for some fucked up shit there. So fighters, if you do that, just don't do it, man. You're not convincing anyone that you're fine. Oh, you're giving it away. You're giving yeah. it away. So, okay, so after after Holmes beat Chavis, he defends a few more times. In October of 1980, the ill-fated fight with Muhammad Ali, Larry Holmes gives Ali such a severe beating that I believe that is what led to his physical problems. Well, he had, according to medical, he probably had Parkinson's during this fight. 
he might have had Parkinson's before the fight. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, before the fight. So they let him go anyway because it was an $8 million fight. He was getting $8 million, but, man, it, it, he, he had no business. Of which, Logan, he only got $3 because after the fight was over, uh, Doc K goes to Ali and says, look, man, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't have all, all your money. And Ali's like, what? So well, what I could do is here's $3 million. Ali was like, Ali was so fucked up, they took him to the hospital that his manager, Herbert Muhammad, took the money. But what happened afterwards is, when Don King went to the Bahamas to meet Muhammad Ali a year later, in um, October of 81, Nation of Islam um, 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 members broke several of Don King's ribs and put him in the hospital. Ali did that? Ali's uh, bodyguards. Oh, okay, because he didn't pay up. Yes. And uh, I guess that was the payment right there, so he's not going to get any more. <laughs> well, after beating, after beating Ali, after beating Trevor Burbick, a man who beat Ali, he has another title shot. He has uh, the next fight in the greatest performance, June of 1981, against former heavyweight champion of the world, Leon Spinks. Now, uh, Leon Spinks, uh, where do you rank him in the, in the, the annals of uh, boxing? He'd be somewhere between uh, 500 and 1,000. <laughs> I, but I mean, he uh, gave. He he seemed like that he had a good chin. He was pretty athletic. Uh, but you're you're just saying he wasn't that highly skilled. He had a lot of natural ability, Logan. His problem was the cocaína. Uh huh. Okay. Well, so he's he's um, uh, in this fight here. He's uh, he doesn't seem like he's doing much. He seems like giving a little more trouble than Shavers, but. Uh, one thing but, about Leon Spinks, when he's in shape, and he was in phenomenal shape for this fight, he gave you constant pressure, and he wouldn't stop. Only thing was, he wasn't on the level of Larry Holmes. Larry Holmes saw him coming the whole way, first two rounds, easily wins the first two rounds, um, effectively makes Spinks miss. That jab, like we state, just won't miss. He's letting that jab, jab. It's mostly him out-jabbing and making Spinks miss for the first two rounds. In the third round, Spinks frustrated, Runs into a spectacular right hand, and you can see they got they get a clinch after. See, Spinks runs into Holmes. Holmes has a right hand off the ropes, and then Spinks bounces off the ropes. You can see he's hurt, and Holmes noticed that. And then Holmes, who was a great finisher, just hit uh, Spinks with one right cross after another, landed a beautiful left hook, uh. followed by a right cross, and Spinks bounces off the ropes and goes to the canvas. And you know he got he got knocked down and then he got up like at nine. You'd never see that today. They would have waved that shit. Spinks, former heavyweight champion, great heart, got up at nine. They should have stopped the fight right there. Yeah, As they Holmes, would today. Holmes just battered him. He was just landed one right cross after another, and the towel comes in. And referee Richard Steele finally stops the fight. Larry uh. Holmes saves the WBC heavyweight championship with a third round knockout over former champion Leon Spinks. Man, what a what a beating! Sphinx, I don't think Sphinx really got any real offense in. Uh, I mean, he got a couple punches, like like Shavers. It was a one-sided beating. Absolutely. And uh, what, now, um, that, it's interesting that uh, Shavers uh, uh, knocks out Norton. Cause I guess Norton was a little bit falling off at that point. No, but uh, Norton always had trouble with sluggers. All of the kid, and we'll talk about another slug he, he lost to coming up to the Larry Holmes fight. The knockout losses Ken Norton had 
were against George Foreman, two rounds. Yeah. Ernie Shavers, one round. And Jerry Cootie, 54 seconds. Wow. Jerry Cootie, huh? Well, we're going to talk about him, uh, the great white hope. <laughs> was the greatest sell job, the greatest marketing job ever done for a fighter who had limited ability. They put this guy in with they, – they, Jerry Cooney was the modern-day Rocky Marciano. What they did was they put him in against guys with no punch or who were 60 years and older. <laughs> knocking out old men after old men. Jimmy Young, 38. Rob Martin, 39. Ken Norton, 40. All these guys are old. He's knocking these guys out. Like, oh, he's the next heavyweight champion in the world. Oh, he gets a big payday. June 11th, 1982, the next fight we'll talk about, against Larry Holmes, where a week before the fight, he's on the cover of both Time Magazine and Newsweek, Sports Illustrated. He's on the cover of all these magazines. Ronald Reagan sets up a phone in his dressing room, so if he wins the world title, he gets to call him, all right? And he gets introduced last in the fight. Heavyweight champion always gets introduced last. He gets introduced last. Larry Holmes was 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 was, was, was stomach was turning. He was fucking fuming. He could not wait to get this guy in the ring because everything was oh Cootie Cootie is Cootie the Great White Hope is Cootie going to do it? Is Cootie Cootie White America's Hope? Now Cootie he had a lot of heart uh, in this fight. Um, he definitely uh, you know I think outperformed what people expected. My father made a mitt off this fight. He he he, he um. He, he uh, betted $500 with three guys, he won 1500 And all these white guys from his job, he, he, they, they swore <laughs> he was going to win. This is the great sell job his management team did, putting him in with all these stiffs that he could knock out. Right? you gotta, you got to think Rocky had something to do with it, the movie. What they were, I mean, and then Don King was selling the shit out of it. Oh, come see the great white hope, Jerry. I mean, I mean. Beautiful. What my father was saying, my father told me. Cootie has no shot in the world. First things first, Larry Holmes, every time he's gotten hurt in his career up until this point, Logan, was from a right cross. Jerry Cootie had no right hand. Jerry Cootie was a one-handed fighter. And a one-handed fighter is not going to beat one of the greatest fighters of all time in Larry Holmes with just a fucking left hook that Larry Holmes could see coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, you know, and, and uh, he, was, he was definitely doing some low-blow stuff. Uh, now, I wanted to ask you about this. Do do fighters fuck with the low blow just as a tactic, or is that just a mistake? In this fight, and we'll talk about it as it goes down, I'll, I'll, I'll mention why I believe Cootie threw the low blows, and I don't think it was intentional at all. Jerry Cootie was a nice guy. Jerry Cootie was a sweetheart. Jerry Cootie, it was not Jerry Cootie's fault that all this shit was being given to him. It was his management fault. Jerry Cootie was a naive 45-year-old kid from Long Island, who a mama's boy, good kid. My father met him uh, many, many years ago. Had nothing but nice things to say about him. Anybody who's ever met Jerry Cootie loves the guy. And after this fight, him and Larry Holmes became close to the point where Larry Holmes considers Jerry Cootie one of his uh, true, trusted and best friends to, to this day. So while racial flames were being ignited, it had nothing to do with the two fighters. The two fighters liked each other. It was the media. It was Doug King. And it was... Uh, white America hoping that they had this chance, but they had no chance. This, 
he was not ready. Logan, he was not ready for Larry Holmes. He would have never been ready for Larry Holmes because these guys were in two different atmospheres when it came. I mean, stratospheres, universes when it came to talent. Oh yeah, uh, but but you know he he did. Um, Jerry Cooney was last a, a long time in this fight. Jerry Cooney was a a step above a, a club fighter, while Larry Holmes was one of the greatest fighters of all time. Yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, you got to give him some credit for uh, staying up Cooney's for as long as he did. Jerry Cooney's a fighter, so he's got that fighter's heart, and he gave it all in this fight. He just didn't have enough. Yeah, yeah, and he was bullied by the crowd and, and, and all the hype. All the Cooney, Cooney, Cooney. Yeah, and, it, and you know, he, I guess, uh, now, was this the end of the Great White Hope, or was did he still kind of have some cachet after this fight? He he had a couple of big paydays after this fight, but uh, well, let me talk about the fight. Then I'll talk about the aftermath okay. of both guys' careers. All right, um, the first round, Holmes is fighting Holmes' fight, circling, using the jab. Second round, he begins to show that Cootie, Cootie is susceptible to a right cross as he drops Cootie with a sweet right cross off the top of his forehead. Cootie oh. gets, stumbles around the ring like a drunk and goes down. Gets oh up. my God! Most fighters would have got knocked out. He got up. And he continued to take punishment. Cooney kept swinging that left and occasionally would land, but he never got Holmes in a position to follow up. In right. The round, he staggers Cooney again with a, what? another right hand. Cooney was a sucker for that right hand. And if you notice, Logan, the reason why Holmes' right hand is so great is because you keep looking for that job, that jab, and eventually. He blinds you with that jab and lands with a right cross. And Holmes did another thing that he learned from Ali. He would pull with his left hand to, set you, to, to measure you for the right, which is illegal. Uh, 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 that was did throughout his career as well. Yeah, I noticed that. That is illegal, but they were allowing him to do it. Uh, that uh, it, it, They're even calling it out by the, the announcers we're talking about it. But So that should have been called. Yeah, that he got called one time by Mills Lays in this fight. Other than that, he let Holmes get away with it. But then, then again, beginning with the eighth round, the seventh round, Cooney began to land low blows. So, give me both guys are, are using illegal tactics. In the ninth round, Cooney hits Holmes one of the worst low blows in the history of boxing. I yeah, mean, I saw that. Above his balls. I mean, oh. I don't know how Holmes didn't go down in a heap. You could have. Could have been a disqualification there, but uh, two points, two points for that low blow. It was such a flagrant foul. Now the reason he landed this, and my father and I was watching this fight in closed circuit. I mean, the other brothers in the audience were screaming that he was trying to cheat. Cooney wasn't trying to cheat. Cooney was exhausted. He never gone past six. He's in the ninth round. His punches are, strand, uh, are straying low because his arms are falling down. Learn yeah. from, 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 from your training that the more you fight. Your, your your arms get tired. It is all. Oh, your arms, dude. You don't even know, man. I mean, you know, I'm sure, but I'm saying people don't even realize how much painful like, it is to hold like, your arms up like that for a whole fight. It's just, in that it. probably land to the midsection, wound up landing below the belt, which happened in the ninth round, and in the eleventh round he got deducted again as he landed another horrible low blow. But Holmes recovered, and twelfth round just beat Cootie like a drum. Thirteenth round. He beat Cootie from pillar to post. Finally lands another right hand. Cootie goes down. His trainer stop, jumps in the ring, stops the fight. Holmes wins by 13th round technical knockout. 
Now, are, were you aware of any fighter at the time that was white that was actually good or better than this guy? I mean, why was he the white hope and not some other white guy? The heavyweight division was all the top ten at this point were all black fighters. But are there no other white fighters around except Cooney? Oh, I mean, Ray I just, Cooney at this point was being touted as another great, and you know, he wound up the same year. He won the, a matter of fact, a month before this, um, Ray Mancini had won the WBA lightweight championship, and he had gotten a lot of pub, you, you remember. Later that year, he would kill Duku Kim in the ring. Right. But, I mean, in the heavyweight division, it's, Cooney was all he had, huh? I'm sorry. There was another white heavyweight in the ranks, a South African named Jerry Cote, who would wind, wind up winning the WBA title a year later. So, yeah, but oh. European yeah. and African white fighters do not get the publicity that American white fighters get because you see the Klitschko's have dominated for the last 10 years, and they get no publicity whatsoever. I wonder what the Klitschko's would have done in this uh, stacked division because it was a lot of great fighters at that time. The Larry Holes would have knocked out both Klitschko's in the same night. <laughs> so, so in terms of uh, Jerry Cooney, then he he kind of just had some a few bigger fights. I remember his fight with um, Foreman when he was kind of old. But after uh, his fight, he only fought maybe six, seven more times. He took several years off between between fights. In June of 1987, he gets a shot at heavyweight champion Michael Spinks. Michael Spinks knocks him out in the fifth round. Then in 1990, he gets a shot against uh, George Foreman, a big pay-per-view fight, and George Foreman destroys him in two rounds. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was a, a big beating there. And uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, just an interesting uh, figure in our boxing history here, George Cooney, the great well, white hope. What happened was he got success too fast, too soon. He got $10 million for this fight. Jerry Cooney became a lo- began a long, long bout with uh, drugs and alcohol after this fight. Wow. Well, he. I mean, I think it was the only way that he could have done what he did. I mean, if he had waited, then they would have been exposed and he wouldn't be getting these, this big fight. Okay, when the fight was over, at the press conference, Cooney cried and, and was apologizing for his performance. Howard Cosell got on the podium and said, young man, you have nothing to apologize for. You fought a great fighter. Yeah, we should just say, I mean, Howard Cosell, one of the greatest announcers of all time. The greatest boxing announcer of all time. A lot of guys love Don Dunphy, and Don Dunphy was great, but nobody built up a fight like uh, Howard Cosell. I would I would compare Howard Cosell to like a Jim Ross. Where he, he is Jim. He's Jim Ross. Yeah, you're Gordon Soley. Because of, no, Gordon, Don Dunphy was more like Gordon Soley, while Howard Cosell was more like Jim Ross, where he would paint a picture for you. He would set it up. He was a great hype man for the fight. Oh, this. And he would bring up history throughout the fight. Boxing yes. throughout the fight. And very good at recapping what had happened in the fight. He, he, yes. you know. If you could turn, tune in on, in the seventh round and miss the first six, and all of a sudden, in rounds three and four, he had a great detent, he did this, but in round five, he would recap the fight as it goes on. Yeah. He'd say shit like, he'd be like, a punch that... It was would not justify the cheer that it was given, you know? Some <laughs> guys that I've seen do that, since then, is Jim Lampley. If you watch an HBO fight, Lampley will in the middle eighth and ninth round. Well, if you just joined us, this is yeah. what happened. And Lampley was a student of Cosell. So you could see Cosell's influence as, as late as today in Lampley, because Lampley, you know this slogan, does that. If you just joined us, this is what's happened so far. Yeah, 
Yeah, Lampley's great at that. Yeah, okay. for sure. So yeah. now Holmes, uh, talk about him after this. We only have a few minutes here. But the next three and a half years, continue to dominate the heavyweight division. 20 successive defenses. The only man to have more than that is Joe Lewis. And finally, in September of 85, he gets out-hustled by Michael Spinks and loses his heavyweight championship. In the rematch, he gives Spinks a beating, but for some reason, Spinks gets the decision, and Holmes is pissed off, so Holmes announces his retirement and tells Larry Merchant while in the dressing room that it's over for me, my ass is gone, and since we're on HBO, everybody there could kick my, kiss my big black ass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what a fucking character, man. Holmes, uh, definitely, uh, you know, never, never, uh, at a loss for words. And he made several comebacks in, um, in, uh, the spring of, of 1988, he fought an, an unwise fight against Mike Tyson. Tyson knocks him out in the fourth round. I mean, Larry Holmes did not need the money. He was offered big money for it, but he didn't need money. Larry Holmes is very independently wealthy. He's the Eastern Assassin. He owns the entire town of Eastern Pennsylvania. When you go to Eastern Pennsylvania, he he owns the bank. He runs. You know, like the guy in um, what was that movie we did? Affliction. That guy yeah. that he worked for. That's Larry Holmes. He runs the sheriff's <laughs> department. He runs the bank. He he, he he runs the school district. He runs the town. He owns the town. <laughs> he's a now he's the only guy to fight both Tyson and. Uh... And and Ali, right? Two fighters, Trevor Burbick and Larry Holmes. Right. Two fighters to fight Ali and, and, and Tyson. Yeah, the the, the intro to our show, Trevor Burbick. Yeah, <laughs> that's Mike Tyson. But you'll be apropos because when we do Mike Tyson late later this year, one of his greatest performances will be against Trevor Burbick, and will be against Larry Holmes. So those are two of the fights to to look forward to in Mike Tyson's great career. So oh yeah, look, that's a good Tyson one. Eighty-eight comes back in ninety-one, upsets Ray Mercer in ninety-two to get a shot at Larry at um, Evander Holyfield and gives Holyfield trouble for the first half of the fight until he gets tied out. Holyfield wins the sec- sweeps the second half. Holyfield wins the decision. Then Holyfield the title shot in April of 95. All three judges have to fight dead even against Oliver McCall after 10 rounds, and it was basically Holmes' jab that kept him in the fight throughout. But Holmes, exhausted and old, loses the last two rounds, loses the title fight. And Larry Holmes' last fight was in 2002 at the ripe old age of 54, 53, where he beats Butterbean by decision. <laughs> what, uh, what made him keep fighting if he had all this money? I don't, I don't get it. You know, he wasn't making big bucks for these fights. I mean, he'd make anywhere from a half a million to a mil for, 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 for his appearances, which is a decent paycheck. And he was fighting a bunch of, you know, journeymen's. Stiffs, old guys like himself, but um, he was just the love of the sport. Mm. But he definitely didn't need the money. One of the few fighters under Don King that didn't end up broke. <laughs> now, did he? Uh, I mean, uh, does he? Do you believe he's a little bit underrated by the boxing historians? He's the most underrated heavyweight champ. The two most underrated heavyweight champions of all time are two guys we covered on this show, and who I feel are top five heavyweights of all time. I'm going to give you my top five heavyweights of all time. Ali's number one. Joe Lewis is number two. Jack Johnson's number three. Larry Holmes is number four. And Lennox Lewis is number five. And you see a lot of Larry Holmes and Lennox Lewis. Hell yeah. The only difference between Holmes and Lewis 
is Lewis could knock you out one shot. Holmes never had that ability. Holmes is more cumulative. They both and Holmes had a better chin. Have and the better ring generalship and the better chin, which is why I put Holmes above Lennox Lewis. But as you yeah. saw in Lennox Lewis pro, the, the Lennox Lewis program with Larry Holmes, these guys were great offensive fighters. Yep, absolutely. Just uh, master jabs, jab use there, and uh, just unbelievable. Um, yeah, ring generalship is really the term. I mean, just the way they go side to side. I mean, especially Holmes. He just he goes, you know, just circles around you and just pummels and your ass. Not wasted movement. Not yeah. wasted movement. I mean, he circles around you. He keeps enough distance, like you say, Logan, fought tall and kept that battering ram of a jab in your face, the greatest jab in history of the sport. That jab is just lethal. So, so you're saying? I mean, when you talk about these, uh, the rankings, talking about who is is so and so met so and so in their prime, who would win? And that's how you Rocky Marciano. The fight doesn't go four rounds. He mm-hmm. destroys Rocky Marciano. All right, in his prime. If Larry Holmes fights Ali in their primes, he gives Ali hell, and I see Ali winning by split decision. It'd mm-hmm. be a tough fight for Ali. If Larry Holmes fought Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis had problems with guys with great jabs. Now, if Lewis lands that right hand, it could be over. But Larry Holmes in his prime would know, I got to keep away from Lewis's right hand. Yep. If he fought Jack Dempsey, he would just outbox Dempsey and make Dempsey like, look like an idiot. If Larry Holmes had fought Mike Tyson in their prime, he I think he would have beaten uh, Tyson by decision. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it would have been, uh, been like fighting a, a, a freakier... Uh, shavers, but he would have probably more energetic shavers because Tyson yeah. prime was a well, was a freak of nature. It would have been a great fight. Would have been a great fight. Right. If Lennox Lewis and Larry Holmes fought in their primes, tough fight. I'd have to go with Holmes by decision, and he might even knock out Lennox Lewis because Lennox Lewis, like Holmes, was susceptible to a right hand. Yep, uh, and uh, definitely uh, a lot of heart. Klitschko brother, both Klitschko brothers go to sleep against Larry Holmes. In, in, a, in a handicap match. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, that's Larry Holmes. And, uh, so what do we got next time uh, for the greatest performances series? Well, we talk about one of the greatest Latin fighters of all time, either number one or number two, whoever you speak with, Alexis Arguello, will be the next chapter of the greatest performances in boxing history. Okay. Look forward to that in about two weeks, and uh, we'll uh, be up on that. And tomorrow we're reviewing... State of Grace. You, you, I, I was noticing something, Logan, when I was watching this movie yesterday. There's a lot of similarities between State of Grace and the movie we did last week, Deep Cover. <laughs> Indeed. And we'll talk so, about that. It's just weird how I picked these two movies, not knowing, not knowing that these two movies are very, very similar. That's fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll be reviewing that at uh, Logan's Movie Reviews on Blog Talk Radio, so movie fans, check that out. This is World Championship Boxing on SuperFriendsUniverse.com, the epitome of manliness. And uh, we know that Juan Silva uh, writes articles on that site, so check out what he's got to offer there on rap and boxing and sports. Uh, so uh, uh, look, some good articles there by uh, one, our, our own Juan Silva there. So check it out, SuperFriendsUniverse.com. And uh, Juan Silva, thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk tomorrow. Talk tomorrow, man. Enjoy, enjoy this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Indeed. Take care, man. And thanks, everybody, for listening. This is World Championship Boxing. We are on iTunes, so give us a good review. Thanks.
and uh, we'll talk soon. Peace.